Welcome again to Longmont Church of the Nazarene Online. I'm glad to have you with us again today. Uh, we will be uh, in our the third. This is the third in our series on the Ten Commandments, and we'll be looking today at the third commandment. You'll find that in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Before uh, we move into the message, though, just some things I want to remind you of. First of all, um, we do have worship service now in the parking lot on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, and we would invite you to come and join us. Um, It is still fairly warm outside, so um, we would encourage you to bring an umbrella for shade, uh, a water bottle, and, and then please bring your own lawn chair, and we will have worship together uh, in the parking lot. Uh, as that, if, if or when that changes, we will certainly uh, let you know. The other thing, uh, or one of the other things I want to let you know about is our prayer time on Thursday evening. Uh, we meet again in the parking lot on the west side. It's shady at, at that time of the day. Uh, for prayer, and our main emphasis is we're praying for revival, but certainly there are a number of other issues that we're concerned about and praying for, and we'd invite you to to join us for that as well. also want you to know that um, on Sunday morning, September 13th, um, we will be doing something a little different. Uh, We will be having a a guest with us that day. He's a a noted guitarist, uh, he does gospel music, uh, has won a number of, war, of awards for uh, in the country gospel music field. His name is Richard Kaiser, and at this point we're planning on meeting at 9 o'clock as we usually do. We'll be outside and uh, would encourage you, um, if you're interested, come and join us for that. Well, before we get into the message uh, today, I want to open with, with a word of prayer. Lord God, we're so grateful for who you are, for your great name. Um, Your name speaks of your greatness and your power and your wisdom and all that you mean and do in our lives. We thank you for the gift of this day, for every day is a gift. And the word encourages us to make the most of each day. And I pray that we are aware of doing that. Um, And I know that much of life is lived in the mundane of just the rhythm of every day. But Lord God, in those days, may we always uh, be aware of any opportunity that you give us to make a difference in somebody else's life, to share the love of Jesus with them. Uh, Father, one of the things I want to pray for today is uh, of concern for us right here in Colorado, and that's the fires that are burning right now. Um, you know, there's always, of course, it seems the threat to home and property and life. And we, protect, we pray that you would pr- protect those who own homes and and property in those areas where um, those fires are occurring. We we pray especially for those who are there to fight the fires. Lord God, what what a tough job that has to be, especially in this summer heat. And so. We pray for strength and energy and safety, and um, we pray that these men and women who are out there um, on the front lines fighting these fires will be effective and get them under control, and um, we'll be able to hear soon that those fires um, are under control or even out. We ask that you would do that. 
We also pray, Father, um, that you would continue to work in our country. We've got a very important election coming up in a few months. We pray for wisdom and guidance as we make those decisions as people who have been given the right and the privilege of a vote. We pray, Father, for uh, the pandemic. Um, we know that there, that is still an issue before us. Lord, my prayer is that the numbers of people who are infected or in the hospital or on respirators or even dying would continue to go down and down and down. Um, I know that we're looking forward uh, sometime, we hope, in the not-too-distant future of, of being able to come back and worship in our sanctuary together without having to deal with um, the all the restrictions and, and dynamics that are part of the pandemic. And I also pray, Lord God, for um, these cities where there's there are still violent and destructive protests taking place. Um, yeah, Lord, we know that as Americans we have the right to protest peacefully, but we also know that in some places those have gotten out of hand and it's gone on really for weeks and weeks. And Lord, I pray uh, not only for those who are charged with the duty of being there and trying to control that situa- those situations, but Lord, I-, I pray too that you would intervene there. Um, The word tells us that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and we know that if Jesus comes on the scene in power, and especially as lives are changed, peace will reign, and we pray that peace will reign in those cities and across our country once again. Father, again, we're we're grateful for your word, uh, for the Ten Commandments, these rules for right living. Uh, We pray that today you would speak to us, not only through the message, but through the voice of your Spirit as we look at the third commandment. And we ask all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, names are interesting, aren't they? Uh, Some names are common like Bill or Joe or Jan or Kathy. Others are more unusual. Um, My wife and I have a grandson named Brigham. I don't know if I've ever met anyone else with the name Brigham. My mother-in-law had a friend whose name, I think this is right, was September Delight. And uh, Delight ended up being my wife Julie's middle name, and then we passed that that name on to our oldest daughter, who is Kimberly Delight. My maternal grandmother, whose name was Nellie, had sisters named Listy, Dicey, and Goldie. And I know names are given for various reasons, sometimes because of the meaning behind the name, sometimes because it's a family name, sometimes because it's the name of someone that we admire, or sometimes just because it's a name that we like. Um, When we hear certain familiar names, thoughts and associations come immediately to our minds, don't they? For example, what comes to your mind when I say the name Billy Graham? Or how about Michael Jordan, or Douglas MacArthur, or Abraham Lincoln, or Oprah Winfrey, or Saddam Hussein? You think about certain things, perhaps remember certain events, and you may even experience certain emotions when you hear those names. Why? Because those names represent something to us about those individuals, who they are, what they did, how they lived. 
in some ways, a name is the sum of an individual's life. Ron Mel, and I've referred often uh, to him in this series, and will continue to do so, uh, wrote a book entitled The Tender Commandments. And, and he says in that book, God was so concerned about this phenomena of names that he actually named people himself or changed their names at certain key moments in their lives. When their character changed, he changed their name. He told Abraham, No longer shall you be called Abram, exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham, father of many, for I have made you a father of many nations. And the Lord Jesus himself changed Simon's name to Peter, the rock. The Lord was telling Peter that he would be changed from this wishy-washy, unreliable guy to someone who was firm and strong and would take a stand. Well, today we're going to look at the third commandment. Um, And this commandment has a very specific focus. It focuses on a name. It focuses on the name of God. Let's read that, that verse together today. The third commandment, you will find that again in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. And it says this, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the, the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, what I just read was from the NIV version. It says that we are not to misuse the name of God. But there are a number of other versions. Um, For example, the King James, New American Standard, uh, the English Standard Version, that tell us, they state this a little differently. They tell us that we are not to take the name of God in vain. That's the language that they use. The Common English Bible says it this way, Do not use the Lord your God's name as if it were of no significance. And the New Century Version says it like this, You must not use the name of the Lord your God thoughtlessly. So I, I want to break uh, uh, this phrase down, and I'm going to use the phrase from the, uh, the versions um, that I, I cited, King James, NASB, and ESV, that tell us we're not t- to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. So, What does it mean to take? Well, that means to raise up or lift as one's voice. This refers to, in this case, to vocalization. It means to speak a name. And vain. Vain implies either absolute or relative absence of value. Worthless. Foolish. Silly. So in vain then means to take the name of God in an irreverent, blasphemous or profane manner in hebrew in the hebrew mind vain meant nothingness emptiness it meant vanity and it also included the idea of using the lord's name lightly or without thinking it could even mean to use the lord's name kind of in a just a habitual manner kind of in a rote as a rote verbal expression or to use thoughtlessly And by the way, um, there are other ways to profane the name of God, but this commandment does refer specifically to speaking God's name. Well, it's important then to establish the contrast between the negative stated in the commandment and the positive 
which is inferred. If the negative is do not misuse or take in vain, then the positive would be do not do take or use in a purposely proper way. That would be the positive side of this commandment. So why is this commandment about God's name given to us at all? Well, it goes back to who God is. He is almighty. He is eternal. He is the one and only. He is, and most of all, he is holy, absolutely holy. Everything about God is holy, sacred, pure, characterized by transcendence and perfection and commanding absolute adoration and reverence. That means that even God's name is holy, which means that we do not use it in a banal, profane, disrespectful, or thoughtless way. The holiness of the name does not remove it from use, but from abuse. Did you hear that? The holiness of the name does not remove it from use, but from abuse. God's name is holy and should be used accordingly. And there's something that we need to understand about names. To the Hebrew people, a name was not merely a tag that you put on someone so that they would come when you called. To the Hebrew, a name is significant of the personality to whom it belongs. In the case of God, this is especially true. His name encompasses and is significant of his character. So what then is conveyed in the name of God? Well, first of all, there is personality in his name. The God we serve is not some kind of abstraction, an impersonal force, or an unknown power. He is a real person. He is the self-named one. He is the Lord our God. In Scripture, when the word Lord is capitalized, when it's written in all capital letters, you are reading a translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh or Jehovah. This is the personal name of God. Remember Moses before the burning bush? God at that point, as he stood at the burning bush, gives Joseph, uh, excuse me, Moses an assignment of leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And when Moses asks, who shall I tell the people is sending me? God responds, tell them that I am has sent you. And by doing this, God is saying, tell them who I am. This is what I am like. Know me. In fact, God encourages us to know him throughout Scripture. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In Jeremiah 24.7 we read, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. By the way, that's all capitals there. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. And then Jeremiah 31, verses 33 through the first part of verse 34. And God is speaking. This is a covenant I will make with the people of Israel after this time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. 
I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And then Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I am. God wants us to know him. There is personality in the name. There's also power in his name. The Hebrew El Shaddai is translated God Almighty. It speaks of a God or of God who is powerful. Remember the story of when David came against the giant Goliath? Goliath was big, really big. And he was defying the armies of Israel. He was very intimidating, so much so that everyone was afraid to fight him. But little David volunteered to go out and face this giant. He tried on the, the, the armor of King Saul, but discarded it and took his sling and five stones and went out to face this juggernaut. When Goliath saw him coming, he was outraged because it was an insult for a great warrior to have a mere boy sent out to face him in battle. And so notice Goliath's reaction. You find this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 42 through 44. It says, speaking of Goliath, he looked David over, And saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Translation. Listen, you little wimp. When I get my hands on you, I'm going to tear you into little pieces and feed you to the coyotes and vultures well listen to david's reply in verse 45 of first samuel 17 david said to the philistine you come against me with sword and spear and javelin i come against you in the name of the lord god almighty the god of the armies of israel whom you have defied then shortly david let a stone fly hit goliath square in the forehead And was Goliath surprised? Nothing like that had ever entered his head before. Down he went. David took the giant's sword and cut off his head. Where did David get the power to accomplish this feat? In the name of the Lord God Almighty. There is power in the name of the Lord. In Colossians 3.17, we find these words. The Apostle Paul wrote, And whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We are to do everything in the power of his name. We live life in the power of his name. Work, play, school, rearing children, all of it. That's how powerful and all-encompassing the name of Jesus is. There is power in the name. There is is also protection in the name. In Proverbs uh, chapter 18, verses 10, and this is from the English Standard Version, we find this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. You might remember the old hymn, Take the Name of Jesus with You. 
The first two verses say this. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it. Take it then wherever you go. Take the name of Jesus ever as a shield of protection from every snare. If temptations round you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. There's protection in the name. Is Satan after you? Take refuge in the name of Jesus. Listen to what he prayed for his disciples in John 17, verse 11. Jesus said, I will remain in the world no longer. He's praying to his father. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. There is power, or excuse me, protection in the precious name of Jesus. When you call on his holy name in prayer, it's like running to a fortress, a place of refuge. And this, this does not work only for us. It works for those that we pray for. Psalm 9, verses 9 and 10 tell us, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, never forsake those who seek you. And then Psalm 46, 1 tells us, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. There is protection in the name. There is also provision in the name. In John chapter 16, verse 23, it says, In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Verily, verily I t- very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. That means anything you can sign Jesus' name to, you can have. The key is in Jesus' name not with your own desires in mind. If Jesus wants you to have what you ask for, God the Father will give it to you. In 1 Timothy 6.17 it says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And in Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I think we need these to put these two verses side by side to keep our view of God's provision in balance. In 1 Timothy, Paul says, God provides us with everything for our enjoyment. In Philippians, he says that God will meet all our needs. So there's two things we need to keep in mind here. Number one is needs versus wants. God has promised to meet our needs. Sometimes we get our wants, but there's no guarantee in that. We have to ask according to his will for our lives. The other thing is everything for our enjoyment is not just talking about material things. I think sometimes that's the perspective we look at this verse with. Everything for our enjoyment, well, God, here's my list. But think about enjoying life. And enjoying life very often has a lot more to do with where you are spiritually 
and emotionally and relationally than it does the junk that you have in your garage that you can play with. There is provision in the name. So when you understand that there is personality, power, protection, and provision in the name of the Lord, then you realize that His name and His name alone is praiseworthy. What could be more appropriate for God's people than to praise His name? The psalmist understood the importance of praising the name of God. He wrote in Psalm 8, verse 1, Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And in Psalm 34, 3, he said, Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So with all this in mind, we must realize the importance of keeping the third commandment. And to keep it, we must know how not to take God's name in vain. So I want to talk for a minute about the problem of profanity. See, profaning God's name is serious business. The third commandment tells us that anyone who misuses the name of God will not be held guiltless. That's the NIV. Other versions translate that as God will not let go unpunished those who misuse his name. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty serious to me. Profanity reveals wickedness in the heart expressing itself. Jesus said in Matthew 12:34, out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. So a profane mouth reveals a profane heart. Profaning the name of God is an insult flung in his face, and if we love the Lord, it should be an insult to us too when we hear that kind of language used. Taking God's name in vain is an utterly pointless and excuseless sin and pretty solid evidence for the existence of a tempter, Satan himself. After all, who more than the devil would want to hear the name of God profaned? What contempt profanity shows for Almighty God? And too often we hear people asking God to damn some person, even though Jesus suffered and died to save people. What a perverse use of his name, and how contrary to the nature of God who says, I am not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want anyone damned. And not only is God's name used to damn people, but... Things. I mean, that phrase is used in all kinds of ways. The name of Jesus is often used as a curse. And there's no excuse for using the name of God this way. You know, God does not sit in heaven and say, Oh, it's okay, I understand, they said that in a moment of anger. Or, no problem, they just don't realize what they're saying. Folks, there is no excuse and the scripture tells us if we misuse, if we take the name of the Lord in vain, we will not be held guiltless. So if by chance you're thinking, no problem, pastor, I've got this one down. I don't say those kinds of things. 
let me ask you a question at the risk of sounding nitpicky or legal, legalistic. Do you use slang like <clears throat> gosh or golly or gee? Here's how I look at that. Because <clears throat> I remember growing up, those things weren't allowed in my house. And I think my parents had a good reason for their point of view. But here's how I look at this. My name is Sidney. But it's shortened to Sid. In fact, that's what most people call me. Now, when I was in trouble, my mother called me John Sidney. But anyway, most people call me Sid. Men named William are often called Bill. And Joseph is often shortened to Joe. Women named Janet or Janice are called Jan. And Margaret can be shortened to Marge. Or sometimes people named Margaret are called Peggy. And I've never figured that one out. That's how I view gosh or golly or gee. <clears throat> it's just a shortened and altered version of the name of God. I think we use it thinking it's maybe more acceptable or more palatable. But in, in reality, we're naming God even if we use one of those other terms. And I think we need to be cautious about that. Then there are euphemisms that unfortunately we hear used way too often, things like, by God, or oh my God, or, or for God's sake. To be honest about it, those are thoughtless uses of God's name. Do people who say those things really mean to call upon God? They might say, well, that's not what I mean, it's only an expression. But hey, there's only one God, so when you use his name, it can only be him that you're talking about. In fact, to use this name that way is the very definition of taking the name of the Lord in vain. Um, let me share this illustration. Paul won an Olympic gold medal in weightlifting in 1956. One of his many feats of strength was lifting more than three tons on his back. He was only five feet nine, but he weighed 375 pounds. He looked a little pudgy, but he was a slab of steel. He was incredibly strong. Paul Anderson loved God with all his heart. One day he was in an airport, and he heard a man use the name of Jesus Christ in an angry voice. Paul came up behind him, wrapped his arms around the man, and lifted him in the air, asking excitedly, Where is he? He's a friend of mine. When this poor guy realized who was holding him, he cried out, Oh, my God! Paul said, that's him. Where is he? And now I don't know what happened to that guy, but I'll bet you he thought a long time before he ever took God's name in vain again. So how do we take God's name in a purposely proper way? Well, first of all, we wear the name. When we call ourselves Christians, we wear the name of Christ. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with his inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. We wear the name of Jesus Christ. We represent him. God knows who those who are his. We must turn away from wickedness if we're to wear the name of Jesus Christ. We have to walk the walk. If we confess the name of Jesus, we need to live the lifestyle of Jesus. 
those things that were so clearly evident in the life of Christ are to be seen in our lives as well. It's the fruit of the Spirit of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us that we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent Him in this world. As His ambassadors, we don't wear the name of our church or our family or our country We wear the name of Jesus. And we must remember at all times who we are and whose we are. The second thing we do to purposely, uh, properly use the name of God is to share the name. And that means with others. Things like, and I know this is disappearing in our culture, but Jesus is the reason for the season. We hear that sometimes still at Christmas time. Or here's what God or what Jesus has done in, in my life. Or people still need to know that Jesus saves. We need to share the name. We need to teach the name. Remember, it speaks of his character. Let me share with you some of the names that God calls himself by. First of all, Jesus, which means Yahweh or God saves. Emmanuel, God with us. El Shaddai, Almighty God. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Rophe, the Lord heals. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. Jehovah Nisai, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord is holy. We need to teach the name because it speaks of his character. Psalms 9.10 says, Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. When we come together in worship, it is our duty to exalt the Lord's name together to exhort one another, to speak of our God in conversation, in prayer, in song, in Sunday school lessons, and in the sermons that we hear. In Psalm 75, 1, it says, We praise you, Lord, we praise you, for your name is near. People tell of all your wonderful deeds. That is a purposely proper way to use the name of God, to tell of his wonderful deeds. Psalm 22, verse 2 says, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. A purposely proper way to use the name of God. In Psalm 40, verse 10, it it says, I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. So when we talk about all these things, either the things of God that are at work in our lives, that's a purposely proper way to use the name of God. So many in our culture put God's name down. It's our job to exalt the name of God, to lift him up. It's all part of sharing his name. You know, The name of Jesus is loved more than any other name on earth. But it's also hated more than any other name. Realize that it's our duty to wear and share the name. 
And we need to realize that it won't always be easy. In Acts 5.41, it says the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. In 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So wearing and sharing the name won't always be easy, but it's the call that God has placed on our lives. The Bible says that God has given Jesus a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I read somewhere that when he was on his deathbed, General William Booth, that great and godly man who founded the Salvation Army, was approached by family members who said, Daddy, before you go to see Jesus, it would help a lot if you just sign your name here so we can avoid business difficulties later. The old man said that was fine, so they put the paper before him and put a pen in his hand and he signed. Not long afterward, General Booth stepped into glory. When the family opened the document, do you know what they saw? He had not signed his own name, but had written Jesus. That was the name that was on his heart even more than his own. I share with you these, these words from what will be a familiar hymn to many of you. I've learned to know a name I highly treasure. Oh, how it thrills my spirit through and through. O oh, precious name beyond degree or measure, my heart is stirred whene'er I think of you. My heart is stirred whene'er I think of Jesus, that blessed name which sets the captive free, the only name through which I find salvation. No name on earth has meant so much to me. In Matthew 12, verses 36 and 37, Jesus tells us this, But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That makes the third commandment pretty serious business, doesn't it? We'll be so glad in that day that we learn to take the name of God in a purposely proper way and not in vain, won't we? Join me in prayer as we close. Father, thank you for your precious, powerful, amazing name and all that your name tells us about your character and who you are because there's so much wrapped up in your name. That's why we say we praise the name of Jesus. We praise the name of God. You are God and we do give you praise because you alone are are worthy. And oh God, by your Holy Spirit, guard our hearts and minds so that the things that come out of our mouth, everything, but especially, Lord God, the way we use your name, would be in a way that's purposely proper and that we would never take your name in a vain way. We'd never misuse your name. We would, it would never be a curse word. It, Lord God, we would never take it thoughtlessly it would be not it would not be something in our mouths that is 
insignificance or that would be, as we say, drug through the mud. But Lord God, instead, may your name always be precious to us. May it always be regarded as holy in our lives and on our lips. Thank you, Lord God, for this, the truth of this instruction to our hearts today. Help us to live it, we pray, for your honor and glory and praise. And again, we pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus, your Son and our Savior. Amen. Well, thank you again for being with, with us. May God bless you with his grace and peace this week.